Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, hey, Tim. Dean. Uh, This isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. The blast from our past network. Hey guys, welcome back to Action Action. This week we are going to do something a little different. We're actually going to play for you an interview John and I did with action stuntman turned director John Stewart for his 1989 film Action USA. I hope you guys enjoy it. I kind of want to start off by asking uh, you about like Action USA and like how it all came together. it seems like a really like DIY kind of film at the end of the day. And the commentary you you talked about how um, got a Camaro or the, the car at the beginning because you just ask somebody at a Seven Eleven. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's kind of where the whole movie came. Well, the movie came together because I got hurt on a stunt. And I was I was healing. I wrote a script. And my neighbor come to me and long story short, got the money from me, most of the money for me to produce this thing and and go make it. That's how it came together. But and then uh, Tommy Callaway said, "Won't we go make it in Texas? We'll get more for our buck down there." So we did. Hooked up with this local producer, Alan Stewart, no relation to me, just the same last name. We went to Waco and shot it. And that's what just the script that I had written when we got to Waco and I seen what we can get. I was constantly rewriting, so it was a whole different story. I mean, the characters were the same, but every almost every scene changed in the movie when I found out what I could get in Waco to use. And it was the same with, the, like you say, the Corvette. I was scouting location for something else, and I seen his vet. I was at 7-Eleven, and he was getting something there, and I just told him what we're doing. I asked if we could use it for the opening title scene in the movie, and he said, sure, and that's that's how we got the Corvette. Yeah, like, it, it's pretty cool. Like, you, you kind of get this, like, feeling that, like, maybe not that you're rewriting, but, like, that things are kind of just constantly, like, changing and going on throughout the film. Did the did the actors do a lot of ad-libbing? Or was, like, pretty much what you wrote, like, all the jokes and all, like, the little asides, was that, like, on the paper? Well, the scenes were all on the paper. The only ones that really did in the ad-libbing were Ross Hagen and Hulk Cow. They would take the little scene that I written, or David Redskin had wrote with me. Uh, I wrote the story. David Redskin was the screenwriter of the play, but of the script, rather. But they would... Ross and Hulk would definitely come up with stuff for their characters. So there, there are all the comedy stuff in there with them. That was... A lot of it was... 
it wasn't that I lived on the spot. They would work on it the day before or whatever. Mm-hmm. They would come and show me. Okay, that looks cool. We'll go ahead. We'll go. We'll do it that way. But the other stuff was all scripted. Yeah, the, I think one of the funniest lines in the entire movie is actually part of my favorite scene when uh, the guy like drives through the the house and he's like, "Sorry about your house, buddy." Yeah. That's a, yeah, that was me. <laughs> that's a like that's a great that's a great joke. That's a great great scene. I guess what inspired you to do that? You just were like you you had an idea like you kind of wanted to blow up a house in a chase scene. I'd blow up anything if they gave it to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was a that was a scripted car chase in the, in the film. But they came to me and the out the art department came to me and said, "Hey, I, I think we got a house. We can we can uh, do something with you. One that we're going to tear it down." Right. They went ahead and painted it, and Kevin McCarthy went in there with his saws all and scored all the wood, you know? Yeah. Uh, and rigged it up with all that primer cord. So uh, the scene was scripted, but I just added the house in. When I said I could get a house, I'll just I'll throw that in one of the chases, you know? I just love it because it just adds to the, like, the action aspect, right? Because it's like, obviously, that's not a main part of the chase scene, but it's just like it makes it so much better because it's like, this is what's going on along with the chase scene. Yeah, I mean, you know, in, in the 80s, we didn't, we didn't, well, we I never did any CGI, but you got to add, you got to throw in there whatever you can make it exciting, you know, because it gets boring after a while. You know, like Dukes of Hazzard stop chasing each other around, you know, yeah. back of course, they'd have to jump through a barn or something like that. And it's, that's what, you know, I tried to do back then is make it interesting whenever I could, you know, it all depends where you're shooting and what you had at your disposal. I mean, it, yeah. The only time I blew up a house, I think, was uh, in a movie Kachow I directed, and this house was in Beverly Hills. Oh, this wow. is like a million over a million dollar house, but again, they were going to remodel it. So yeah, I didn't yeah. blow it up. Actually, I just drove a car through the front of the house. But oh, I see. You can get deals out there, you know. I guess if they're about to tear it down and uh, yeah, deal with definitely. Them uh, speaking of Dukes of Hazard, there's definitely a few scenes where it feels Dukes of Hazard style. Um, I think at one point. They's just like, yeah, you'd jump it, and you they jump over yeah. the, uh, you know, irrigation way. Yeah, exactly. And then you know, let's start Craig Baxley. That was, I think, one of the original. I, don't know, I think it was Paul Baxley started coordinating uh, Dukes of Hazard, and then his Gary Baxley took it over. But Craig Baxley did a lot of the A team stuff, and they did a lot of this stuff where you'd see the camera on the side of the car, you know, as they're doing jumps and give you that POV angle. Yeah. You know, you just kind of tilt the camera down a little bit, so when it's in the apex of his jump. It's not looking at the sky, you know what I mean? Right. That was a trick you had to aim in at the ground. Oh, uh, yeah. And so when it's midair, you get the whole thing. So, yeah, we did a lot of that kind of stuff on it. We, you know, we had a lot of car mounts. I had a real good team of, uh, you know, Bill Jenkins and those guys building the cars and, you know, roll cages and, you know, rigs that I needed for cameras and stuff like that. I, I guess it makes me think, like, how much fun did you have making this movie? It was a lot of fun. I was part of most fun I had on any well, there was another experience I had in Yugoslavia that was as much fun but it was it was a lot of fun but it was it was intense because we only had 18 days to shoot the film so right it was fun but busy as hell at the same time you know what I mean yeah but I got to pretty much do everything I wanted it was the first film I ever directed first unit on I directed a lot of second units so I wanted to put everything in this film uh that I could think of in uh, to my first action film you know whether it's high falls or fire gags or helicopters you know I wanted to squeeze it all in in one film yeah. You do pack a lot of stuff into the film. Hey, the movie slowed down. You had a talking part that lasted two minutes. You know what I mean? What the hell <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, my kind of action movie. I had yeah. one on the thing. I'm like, what the hell? You got? I got to slow it down a little bit. 
Yeah. You pack like yeah, you pack like so much stuff in, and it it's really like so it's such an enjoyable movie to watch because there's you like you said you've got like sweet helicopter chase like well I have chase but you know the helicopter with the, and then the cars following it and you've got like people on fire falling off of bridges and it like it's so much fun to watch yeah that's that's what I set out to make I just wanted to get like I just want to kind of like a bubble popcorn popcorn movie you know sit down watch some popcorn have a have a beer and just enjoy yourself don't it's not not too much thinking involved you know what I mean yeah um, I just wanted to make a you know I, I did thrillers later where I wanted to get more complicated, but this I just wanted to do just a fun movie, you know what I mean? So you earlier you said like you couldn't use a lot of CG in in movie in your movies, obviously, because of the technology. Like, do you think that movies are like better or worse for it now? I don't personally I don't like them. I don't even watch them to be honest. Um, because the audience takes everything for granted now. You can do anything now and you're not gonna impress anybody. Back in those days, if you did a fall off a 10-story building people are impressed you know yeah uh now it doesn't it doesn't matter what you do anybody with a computer can make a movie and use cgi you know what do you think about like some of the stuff that like maybe like christopher nolan did in like some of the batman movies or like maybe some of the stuff that um that like is happening in the mission impossible films well as far as the batman movies i haven't watched them so i can't comment on like oh, okay. Mission Impossible. at least they have some real stunts in there too they combine it with the cgi you know what i mean yeah you know, let's cruise like you know, strapped to the side of an airplane, you know, and he's really flying the helicopter. So yeah. he puts great realism to him. But you know, I, I'm a fan of the. You know, I would like to. People always ask me, "Do you want to make make another sequel to Action USA?" Which I would never do because a lot of the main characters are deceased now, and it would never be the same. I just want to leave that, put it to bed. But I would love to do another kind of an action car chase, non CGI movie. You know what I mean? Like a did crazy you watch? Did you watch Mad Max? Yes. Yeah. What was your your thoughts on that? That had some great stuff in it. I'm not sure what was CGI in that, but it had some great stunts in it. Yeah, sure. I think it was like 90% of it is practical effects. Practical, yeah. yeah. I was a long time ago in a scene of it. That has some, you know, obviously some great stunts. That guy that hit the motorcycle and flew over, you know, flew through the air. Yeah, yeah. I think it was an Australian stunt guy. I'm not sure. Drago is like one of my all time favorite, like, I don't know, villains, I guess. Like, he's so, it's so funny. Uh, He's so funny. And and the relationship he has with with the other, like, I don't know, hitmen. With Um, Hitch. Hitch, yeah. It's so great. It's like, do you think that he's kind of gets like lost in like when people put together like lists of, greatest bad guys in action movies because i think he should be up there oh yeah the whole movie got lost when it came out it was a height of the director video movies and there's tons of movies coming out and it came out did its thing it's made its money we didn't lose money we made our money back but then it kind of just kind of just fizzled i always fought for all these years i said why is this thing on tv why isn't this you know what's yeah. going on this is this is bull and um we all kind of got busy with our careers i went on to do stuff tom calloway went on to do stuff so it just kind of and the producer wasn't in the movie business wolfram burger mm-hmm. you know he wasn't in the business so once it did his thing and they sold the rights uh, for 15 years to these foreign countries. Everybody forgot about it, basically. The film was sitting in my partner's house in negative, uh, and, and that was it. So recently, the past, when we always talked about it, about the past five years, I was been talking to Cowboy, we got to get Action USA on cable or TV. This is ridiculous. It's not on. So he's the one who found the company, digitize it, and make a full oh, yeah. He He's responsible for that. And then t- Tim Lee came around, and, and 
and I was talking to Tim Lee at the same time, didn't know Tom was in the midst of making a deal. And I was making a deal with Tim for the theatrical. Right, and then they right. found out, oh, Tom, Tom was making a deal. And then we put the two companies together. And that's, I guess it was a good fit. Fit Tim knew, Tim knew him anyway. So right. he handled theatrical and Verdugo, I guess, handled you know all the other sales. Yeah, he definitely got lost. And the whole movie did get lost. And I can't believe all the attention it's getting today. You see ads all over the place for the thing now. But yeah, Drago definitely should have been up there. Yeah, I just watched, like, I watched it again yesterday. And like the like the the digitized copy is like really really looks great. Yeah, I gotta watch it. I haven't seen it yet, but oh, no. I heard it was good. Hey, it's I, nice. I, put, I put on next video and they want twelve ninety five. I made this fucking thing. I mean, I know I got a copy. I ordered a copy of the Blu Ray did Blu Ray special. You know, yeah, and all that. I did all that and it came and I'm I forgot. Fuck, I don't got a Blu Ray. Can I watch this thing? You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it someday on 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 Xfinity and you know hopefully it will be just as good as the disc yeah it looks it looks great do you have like some of your like some like, all-time favorite stunts that like you look at and are like man I wish I like in other movies I, I wish I had done that uh yeah I mean I love I some of my favorite movies were like Hooper with Burt Reynolds because that movie was about stunt people you know yeah. I, mean? I like watching stuff like the behind the scenes stuff Right. Um, I, I pretty much got to do all my favorite stunts. I, I don't know. That's a hard question. Well, do you have a favorite stunt that you ever did? Yeah. I mean, I, I did like a nightmare at noon. I did that motorcycle hit in the back of the car, like at 70 miles an hour. I flew 120 feet through the air, through an explosion to the cement, which I was supposed to hit the pads. I overshot it, ended up breaking my femur. That was, and you know, I did a, uh, like a 16 story high fallen fire for cold steel. So those are some big ones I designed for myself. I wanted to do in the height of my stunt career. I just had a like I got a in those days they'd give me the script without action and just say write the action in it when I was right. back, when I was a stunt coordinator. And, and it would just say car chase or something, and I would write the action. So then I would sit down and go, I've always wanted to do a big high fall. I always wanted to do one of those big motorcycle crashes and I always wanted to do some cool car jumps and pipe reps and all that. So I would write them in into uh the scripts that I was doing and doing myself back then. That uh that building fall where you were on fire, that was the record at the time, right? That's what I heard. Someone, uh, Sally Marks, a stunt guy, said someone from Stunts Unlimited said that was an unofficial world record. I had no intention of, of trying to break any records. That's just what I jumped off of. And it yeah. wasn't the highest high fall. Di Robinson had jumped much higher than that. But I think at the time for film, it was someone said it was a record for a highest high fall on fire. Yeah. For a movie at that time. Later, uh, I'm sure somebody broke it later. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bob Hanna did a, a high fall twice as high as that on fire. It wasn't for a movie, though. It was for a, a TV special. But uh, at that time, that's what I heard. But I had no, that, that wasn't my intention of trying to break any records. Right. That was the building that we picked for me to go off of. Yeah. Is it is like is there an attitude of that in like in stunt work where people are trying to like break records or is it more just about like pushing yourself and like doing cooler shit? Yeah, it's more like pushing yourself and doing cooler shit. That to me and most most of the guys I knew and worked with, um, I I don't remember too many guys. Hey, I want to break the record. I mean, there's only so many guys can jump over 200 feet. A handful. You know, Dow was one of them. Bob Brown was one of them. Um, most of your high falls in, in movies were you know 50, 60 feet. You know, at the time. Um, not a lot of people were going, you know, over 100 feet. I mean, Buddy Joe Hooker, I think, I don't even think it was 100 feet, but in first blood when he did that one. And he gets all the credit, but they don't know his brother Hank Hooker was the guy who went, went through the trees. Oh, really? She <laughs> kicked out of him, you know what I mean? Right. You said that uh, in first blood, that's like shot right near where we live. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, well, there's actually a, a po there's a statue that they have carved. Uh, it's a wooden statue. And it's like all done up of like John Rambo. 
in that oh, city yeah. on their main strip. Yeah, I love that movie. So that's a movie I like. Someone's always asking, what's your favorite action movie? That's one of them I like. You're mentioning all these stunt guys. Like, is there, um, do you think that like stunt guys should get like more um, knowledge or more like talked should, about more? Should they, yeah, should stunt people get more credit? Like, do you think everybody gets an award for everything, for acting, for all this? Like, like we kind of were throwing around the idea, like, should there, should Oscars be giving away Oscars for stunts? Well, that that's a big thing right now. I mean, Jack Gill's been pushing that years now. Tim Lee could talk to me. He talked with Quentin Tarantino about getting an award. To me, I could care less. I, I I did stunts because I loved to do them when I was growing up. If I won an award or being known, I would have been an actor, you know? Right. Um, stunt guys are very rarely seen. They don't know what you're watching. Them. Half, the, half the TV shows you watch is the guy falling down a flight of stairs that say a couple of times, there's stunt people. You know, they're all over the place. You see yeah. them, but you, know, you don't know them. So they're pushing for it. Personally, I wouldn't turn one down. It'd be nice. But the problem is, be all political. You guarantee if they're going to do an award for the best action scene or best action movie, you wouldn't see Action USA in it because it's all political. You right. know, same with the, they had the stunt awards. There's all the guys from Unlimited and they sit and pick what movies. It's all like a little click. You know what I mean? What goes into it? If they're going to do an award show, make it fair. Right. You know, have have a category for non CGI, like you said, and CGI, but make it every movie, not just yeah. one that the that the clicks pick. You know what I mean? Uh, make it fair to everybody because there's movies out there probably that have tons of great action and like action no one's ever heard of but you never see an award show because they don't have the hype you know so i guess other than like action usa that is now gained a lot of popularity like what's another movie that is like heavy action and heavy stunt work that it could be from the 80s or the 90s that hasn't got a lot of popularity well like, well mac like you say mad max had great i don't know when it was made but that that got definitely popularity but that was great great action in that movie i don't know there's there's a there's, there's a lot of them out there we did some stuff in like nightmare a movie nightmare at noon uh nico mascaradas directed if i'm pronouncing his name right the bob ivy did some great great car stuff and then phantasm 2 i think it was a three i forget which one i did but there's a pipe ramp in there uh, probably the biggest one ever done to date that bob's definitely getting the wood for he hit we had a radar gun with the police down. He hit that thing at 80 miles an hour on the biggest pipe ramps ever built. We built a special one for it where you had to flip a hearse, you know. that That's the type of something that should get an award, but I guarantee you it would never be up there because the guys unlimited, the guys that have all the clicks were involved in it, you know. Yeah. In fact, Corey Eubanks posted a thing on uh, about pipe ramps, and, and we had guys sending him pictures. I forget what it was on his Facebook. And I said, this one you need to check out. And no one ever responded to it because it would blow anyone, every stump out of the water, you know? Right. No, it looks CGI because the tide just took off and like it had wings. It wasn't. Yeah. Wow. Uh, they kind of want to brush that stuff under the copper, you know? Uh, yeah. So like, are, are you, what are you, what are you up to these days? Now I'm doing a lot of uh, music. I'm writing, producing and uh, doing a lot of Latin music, believe it or not. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm having some fun doing that. We're getting, you know, we have a little band called Juliana and uh, doing some Latin music. And it's, you know, we're in the midst of signing a record deal now. In fact, I just signed it. I'm, I'm just waiting to copy back. So we'll see what happens with that. But I've always loved music, you know, and I, I'll put some music in some of the movies I've done, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm 60 now, so I can't be falling off a building. So, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. I can't fall off a building and I'm not even close to 60. So <laughs> I, I would go back to directing stuff if, decent script came along for sure i you know it's not out of the woods that i'm not going to do that but for right now i, I moved to florida trying to retire semi-retire you know so i'm just down here taking it easy and writing music how are things down there right now oh uh, with the pandemic yeah um well we're open 
Um, I don't like, I know LA is horrible here. I, I don't know what kind of in our own little world down here. I'm, I'm near Jupiter, which is, you know, right by the ocean. And it's okay. what kind of like out of touch with really happening. Oh yeah. In the big cities, but talking to my friends that are still in LA, every single one I, I'm talking to wants to get the hell out of there. Oh, you imagine. Know, that governor's yeah. ruined that state. And I don't know, I don't want to get political, but <laughs> that's okay. it's not the same as it was it used to be. And that's why even back in the nineties and eighties, late eighties, most of the movies we did, we went out of state. Right. Cause you yeah. get more free money, you know? Yeah. Actually. So we live just outside Vancouver, British Columbia. Mm-hmm. So tons and tons of stuff gets shot up here. Oh yeah. I remember because when Canada first started getting with the movies, we, a lot of stunt guys were coming down training with us, I remember. But we couldn't go up there to work. We had to have a counterparts, really. Back then, they had a weird law, weird rules, or uh, what was it? They could come here and work, which they did. Dave uh, Dave Sanders, uh, not Dave Sanders. Uh, I got a couple of friends from Canada that I worked a lot with. But then when I had a show to go to Canada, I couldn't go unless I hired another coordinator to pair oh. with me, you know what I mean? Okay. Which really wasn't cost-effective, so... Yeah. So I don't know what's going on now up there, but I would love to go up there and do some films. And I can tell when I'm watching TV, oh, that was shot in Canada because it's so beautiful, the countryside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's funny. It's shot in Canada before they show a license plate or anything, you know. Yeah, living living here is like, you kind of just play bingo with like, oh, that's, you know, that's the library or like whatever. Because yeah. we just everything we see is just around us all the time. I watched, have you ever seen a movie called Ballistic X versus Sever? No, I don't remember that. Uh, it's like this Antonio Banderas movie from oh, okay. like the 90s. But I was like literally at one of the big set action set pieces. I was actually at like that place. I was like, oh, I was just there today. <laughs> so yeah. it's pretty it's pretty wild. I would have loved to go up there. I tried. I mean, I fought because a lot of the companies were going to Canada because they were giving such tax incentives and all that good stuff. But then uh, after a while when all the, a lot of coordinators got trained from Canada, they're back up in Canada running the shows, you know, they didn't need us anymore. I do have a question. You're a stuntman that turned director. Do you think that uh, stuntmen that that turn to directing have this advantage in shooting a great action scene? I mean, I think we've seen this with John Wick and Atomic Blonde. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. I do. Hundred percent. I do. I I knew camera angles, lenses, what type of lenses you use, how to shoot action so it looked more scary than it was all the tricks you know 100 i think they have a big advantage uh, i never wanted to direct i got kind of pushed into it you know right when hbo first started coming out we're doing a lot of those hbo movies a lot of directors that were hired that didn't have a clue how to shoot even a simple fight scene you know what i mean yeah i was studying you know, camera angles i was testing angles like on the cars and the car mounts or what lens to use there and i, I was so fast you know so production would hire me because I could get these things done quickly and they look good, you know? And uh, like if we did a car jump, I would measure out exactly where I thought the car was going to land and I'd put a 2C in the crash box there and have the car land on it. And those are the shots that we're using in the, in the trailers for these movies. You know, those are the money shots. Yeah. Um, and it got to be the point where I was just directing so much of the movie, they decided let me direct the first unit, you know what I mean? Just direct the whole movie, you know? Then Hardcock became, you got to work with the actors and be a psychologist, you know? <laughs> yeah. We definitely, we definitely got a lot. We have an advantage just technically, you know, where to place the camera. And because you didn't have a lot of time in those days, you know, a lot, you know, usually the shooting schedules for a whole movie is three or four weeks, you know? And if you're doing an action movie, that's a lot of setups, you know? People yeah. don't understand. They see a car chase that's written in a script on a paragraph, you know, car chase through New York City. That could take two weeks to film, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So you think then that if there's a movie that does like an action movie, it's like, oh, this is a great film. 
and it hits some lulls, is it because they just don't have enough time to shoot the action they probably want to shoot? Probably, yeah. I mean, if you really think the reason we Action USA, we got what we got in 18 days is because I had the same crew I've been working with for years on all my movies in L.A., you know, my same camera guys, Tommy Calloway, same stunt guys I was using, same car riggers, same special effects guy. The Action USA was like a perfect storm, you know, a great location and, you know, they're giving us stuff and, and a good stunt team and effects team. So we got to work in the morning. It, it was, you know, it was like clockwork. You know, we got a lot done that day. That's how that movie turned out like that. And because I work with the same crew and a lot of, if you interview a lot of directors, even non-action directors, they use the same guys all the time. You, you get to, you know, you know each other. I did a movie once in Yugoslavia where I went over that. I didn't even speak the language and I had a direct, I had took over directing this movie over there. I went over to direct one little chase scene and director loved it. We're watching dailies. He goes, John, just take the whole movie over. And he went back to England. Oh. So I had a thing dumped on my lap and I had, Six months to shoot it. And I'm like, six months? I could do four movies in six months. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. What was that um, one called? It was called, uh, Mer- it was one of the Merlins. Okay. Um, they made a few, but this was one of the Merlins. And uh, Paul Hunt was the original director and writer, but he didn't like to direct. He just produced it and wrote it. He really didn't want to be a director anyway on it. So like, I, it was a true story. He got up from Delhi's. I'm going back to England. Just take over the film. And that's what I did. And I, it was funny. I was reading the script on the way over because they had me real quick on this thing. And I, uh, I'm like thinking to myself, on because it's like an 18 hour plane ride, and this, I should be directing this movie because it's got everything in it horses and car chases, and this would be perfect. They had a whole all Yugoslavian crew. We didn't even speak the language, but we still worked well together. We got the job done because you kind of like, no, I, it was weird, you know? Yeah. But it was a good experience. I had, you know, I remember I had six brand new Panavision cameras, you know, but I couldn't get a roll of duct tape. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They once seen they wanted me to flip a Mercedes and then it's like a roll case. How are we going to do that? It was so those things were a challenge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think back to your question. Yeah, we definitely have a, a definitely a technical advantage over directors, especially coming with action stuff. Yeah. You worked with uh, like Gregory Scott Cummins a couple times, right? Yo, yeah. He Gregory's great. When we did action, he's a great actor. And then when I when I did Cartel, there was there was a it was a character, it was a Colombian drug lord. You know, I wanted to use him. And the producers going, Greg's white guy. He's not going to pass for this. I said, Well, just bring him in. And he was fighting me. The producers fight me, Ronnie Hadar all the way. So Greg comes in with a ponytail, scruffy Latin accent. Is this Greg? <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I used him in Cartel too. Probably a couple other things too, if I can remember. But well, he's kind of got a like a nice little thing going right now. Like he was on Bosch for years, yeah. and then he's on uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is like the longest scripted comedy series of all time. Yeah. So he's like st- still doing he quite did, a bit. He's Stallone great. Stallone too. I forget what one it was, but uh, uh, it was um, no, it's the it's the ice in the mountains. The one on the mountain, <laughs> James. Yeah, Greg uh, is like cliffhanger. Uh, that's it. Yeah. I don't know. He's not a household name, but he's like a real working actor. He makes a living doing what he loves to do, and he's a good actor. That's the thing. He's really good. It's, uh, so he was definitely really good to work with in action. I think action was like one of his first movies. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think he's really great. Um, Barry Murphy's also really good in this movie. Yeah, that's a, that's a that was a weird deal because Barry was supposed to just be Billy Ray's girlfriend at the beginning. Mm. Well, she had one day scene. It was nothing, but it was a little small pop. And then what happened was we had a girl that played a character. We shot it like a whole full day with her, maybe two days. And then she didn't show up at set. They went back to the hotel and she had checked out, left a note. She quit. Oh, wow. Oh. 
took a TV, uh, what do you call it, a um, soap opera in New York City. So she figured a soap opera would be better than a movie, you know, because it's a long-run thing. But anyway, she didn't tell me. She just left. So I went to Barry and said, guess what? You know, I get a star of the movie. <laughs> started filming with her that same day. So, yeah, she did a really good job, especially when she wasn't had no idea what was coming for her. She thought she was in there for a day. Yeah. What's interesting about her character in Action USA is she almost solves all the problems and issues throughout the movie, I feel. Yeah. that I originally, The original movie that I wrote was Handful of Trouble, and it was a Latin, kind of a crazy Latin girl that they were trying to bring back to, you know, protect. Right. That's while the comedy was going to come and stuff from, you know what I mean? Yeah. I never meant it to be uh, Barry's character, you know? Um, so, yeah. And then what happened was the distributor was overselling it in Europe at one of the festivals um, and some people from China, Japan came in and they asked him, do you have any action movies made in the USA? He goes, yeah, I got Action USA. <laughs> Showed the trailer and he could get, they get back from cons, uh, I think it was, and he calls me up and said, hey, I changed the name of the movie. And I'm like, what? Kind of pissed me off that he did that. Now it's it stuck. It had a little cult following for all these years, a small little cult following. So yeah. it's kind of good that he did it, but, but the original movie is called A Handful of Trouble. Is that a common a thing? A like- Handful of Trouble, Latin character. Is that like a really common thing like like is there a certain kind of uh, american action film that does well in japan well back then they loved anything action like that boob scene in a movie that was because of them literally i didn't have that i didn't have that in the script really? and he calls me up and says john you got to put a nude scene in the movie for the japanese i like boob shots and i'm like okay <laughs> and, ja- and japan paid like the most of those days you know they paid that territory paid the most so it was important oh okay so i just on the fly that same day, it was I had like a few hundred extras. I had a lot of extras and said, find someone to go topless. And I just wrote that scene right, right then and there. Right. Wow. You know, when he comes in and kicks the door open or whatever, because, and that was totally because of Japan. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's why all those movies from, from like that time, there's, there's like these nudity scenes where you're like, yeah. that's what it's from. Well, I really? can't do it. Yeah. Unless it's a, unless it's important to the script, it's just, I don't know. My, I know my grandmother was going to watch this movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it, to me, it just, you know, like I said, the only reason I put it in it because he, he really wanted me to do it just for that one territory and he wanted to get a good sale. Right. Wow. That's, I never knew that. You wonder why certain things are always there and turns out it's Japan. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things like that guy at the car, gas station, uh, I just found out he passed away too. It's too bad. Uh, I forget his name. You know, the kind of the goofy guy at the gas oh, station. Yeah, oh, when you had yeah, the, yeah. the bumper at the end there. Yeah, I wrote that scene in just for him too because he'd come in and audition for another part. And I'm like, what is he saying? You know, this guy's so funny. I'm like, I got to write this guy a scene. And because uh, he'd come in and read for something else. Uh, you know, he wasn't right for it, but I just knew I had to put this guy in a movie and people would love him. So um, I wrote that scene in, in uh, when they pulled him to gas just for him. So like with the movie being re-released and, and coming out again, like you, you said, you're seeing a lot of like, a lot of people are talking about it. Are you, is there going to be a plan to maybe do some like small theatrical or like little releases? Well, they've already done that. Oh, they've already done it. We live in Canada. We don't get it. We don't know anything. Oh, yeah, they've already done it through, it started like a month or two ago all across the United States and Texas and- Yeah, I, at I, the I, Alamo. Oh, the Alamo, that's right, yeah. The Alamo did it, and then it spread to other uh, states, you know, Chicago, L.A., and I, I don't have the uh, schedule yeah. in front of it. It did, a, it did combination theatrical as well as uh, virtual and some drive-ins and stuff like that. So it's already done that, and now it's coming out on demand, you know what I mean? Yeah. Tim League said when the COVID thing's over, he wants to do another theatrical because they did one there. And I don't I don't have the numbers, but I can't imagine a lot, a lot of people going. In fact, I just went to my first movie a couple of weeks ago. And it was like two people in the 
theater. Yeah. Right. So when they told I, me they were going to do that, they told me they were going to do that, then COVID hit. So I said, okay, this deal's done. It's never going to happen now. Yeah. Then when I found out it's still happening, I went, what are you guys, crazy? Who's going to go to the damn movies, you know? So they did do it along with everything else. So I don't have the numbers. So I can't imagine a lot of people went just because of the COVID thing. But Tim did say when COVID's over, he wants to do another theatrical release and do like a, a fly everybody in there and do like a stunt in front of the theater and, you know, all this kind of Oh, crazy that's stuff. awesome big party actually wants to go shoot it at the same because that melody ranch that we shot the bar scene uh the fight is yeah. still around today in, in waco oh so okay back to waco and and do another theatrical when there's no covid issues and have a big party at the, at the melody ranch you know yeah things like the same bands even playing you know yeah <laughs> that's cool so, yeah they did it and uh, i don't know why they did it but they did it and because um, I went to see the new Tom Hanks movie that just came out. Okay. Literally three people in the theater. So I'm like, how do they make good money? Man? Yeah, I think all the theaters are shut down here. You all yeah. shut down? Yeah. We I haven't gone to the movies in over a year. I haven't either. I used to go every week. I love movies. I like seeing them on the big screen. I'll pay the extra money, get yeah. some popcorn and watch on the big screen. But, uh, you know, I imagine they may do it again once COVID's over. Well, Tim definitely is going to do it again. I don't know who, what other company, the other theatricals, but... Uh, but Tim definitely said he was going to do it again if uh, when this thing was over. I really appreciate all your time. Hey, no problem, man. Yeah, it's yeah, really great. I have one, having you on. I have one last question. Do you have a favorite romantic comedy? Yeah, I'm sure I do. I'll, I'll actually like those kind of movies. Mystic Pizza. Mystic Pizza, oh, it's uh, like, Julia Roberts. Yeah, yeah. I like those movies in small towns, you know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah Mystic Pizza I really liked. Awesome. Others too, but when people ask you, you can't think on the spot. Oh, of course yeah. not. I know. I'm sorry. I kind of put you on the spot <laughs> there. Questions ahead of time, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Hey, have fun up there, guys. I hope things open up for you soon. Yeah, yeah. well, th- yeah. thanks a lot. And thanks a lot for making this movie. It's uh, James and I didn't really know about it, and we got to watch it early, and we got a copy of it, and we really, really love it. Yeah. So I'm glad you like it. And it's amazing. I'm, to me, I mean, I, I just made a kind of a silly little action movie back then, but a lot of the people finding it like them now are in their forties, fifties and sixties now, like, you know, executives and stuff like that. And I'm like, it's not done. Why the hell do they like this movie? It's just a nothing little movie. But then it dawned on me, they probably liked it because when they were watching movies, there was no CGI. So it maybe yeah. brings them back to reality. You know what I mean? Yeah. Those are like dirty, Harry, crazy, Mary type car chase movies, you know, a smoking yeah. man. So, yeah, totally. I'm glad it's getting a second life for sure. I hope you guys really enjoyed that interview we had with John Stewart. We really appreciate the fact that he put some time aside to chat with John and I on action movies and the action movie industry of the 80s. You can find our list of the greatest action movies of all time on Letterboxd at Action Action. Check us out on Patreon for early access at patreon.com backslash action action. And join us on Instagram for conversation, uh, what we're watching, uh, prizes, and what movies are coming up next. And we'll talk to you next week.